Um, for, to, for this session, what we want to talk about is the emerging technologies and what is in the horizon of marketing. So for Moses, maybe you can talk to us about uh, promising emerging technologies that you foresee shaping the future of marketing. Okay, first of all, good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're well. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's always a pleasure to be at Strathmore and share some of the, the things we see quite ground when it comes to marketing. So as mentioned earlier, my name is Moses Kemibar. I'm the founder and CEO of Dotsavi. It's a digital marketing agency. We've been around since a long time ago, when I still had hair. Um, and basically, when I think about marketing today and where we were 20, 25 years ago, a lot has changed. And I think today in the modern context, when we think about what matters the most, is the fundamentals of marketing are still important. You still need to know who you're targeting, what you're saying, why your brand resonates with them, why they buy from you, and so forth. But what technology has done, and more importantly, uh, looking at all the digital channels that are available today, it sort of transformed that engagement. And I think for me, what is most exciting is the idea of omni-channel marketing, the idea that with marketing today, whether you're talking to somebody through uh, a messaging platform like WhatsApp, or you're using your website or your social media, you have this ability to have a singular view of that person or that individual engaging with your brands. Number two, you have the opportunity to understand the customer journey in a way that you couldn't before. So you almost can anticipate, you can predict how that customer might engage with your product or service. Or so more importantly, if they're not yet your customer, you can almost preempt what the typical customer will do so that your brand message and your communications uh, become more effective. The other thing that I think we have seen happening, especially post-pandemic, um, is that the way the consumer is behaving around digital channels and, and platforms has completely changed. Yeah? What we like to call digital transformation. It's no longer just uh, people sporadically using online platforms, but it's come front and center of how our consumer behavior is approached. And I think the last thing that becomes incredibly critical uh, for the modern marketer today is that the barrier that used to exist between technology and marketing has completely been removed. The modern marketer has to understand technology in order for them to be effective today. If a marketer does not invest and learn how to become a practitioner and be able to use technology in a way that actually delivers the right results, then you are at the risk of becoming redundant. And more importantly, right now with the advent of AI or generative AI, there's so many opportunities opening up in terms of how you can augment and enhance your marketing activities as well as your skills to be more effective. So just before you move on, so we've spoken about the changes that have been seen. So how then do businesses or brands prepare uh, or how do they adopt and just inculcate this, these changes into their strategies? Well, I think there's a famous saying, I think they say something to the extent of don't overlay an analog approach to a digital methodology. So we need to rethink everything from what we have been doing in the past. And we think, when I think about how marketing was done traditionally, we always started off thinking about what we're going to do in print, what we're going to do on TV, on radio, and so forth. And digital would sort of get something like between 1% to 5% of the budget in terms of engagement. Today, most of you in this room, correct me if I'm wrong, probably don't even watch uh, what used to be called the 9 or the 10 o'clock news, correct? Yeah, I remember two years ago when I stopped buying the newspaper, I used to buy the newspaper, physical newspaper, to find out what was happening. Somehow I stopped doing that and I do it all online. Right? So because we become digital first, I think we need to rethink how the consumer behaves and then we create marketing and messaging and communications 
that are in line with that. If we know that our audience primarily is on a mobile device consuming and engaging with content, why are we not prioritizing that channel as much? Now we've seen post-pandemic, more money is going into digital engagement and content and so forth, but I think there's still a lot of work to be done to understand that. And more importantly, we're finding that even global companies are actually hiring younger people to understand how to communicate on, let's say, platforms like TikTok. Because the reality is that TikTok is a big deal. Many of us are, con how many of us on TikTok? All of us? Are there some shy ones? And the best thing is I love TikTok today because I don't even have to dance, right? I can put a few images, I create a slideshow, and I'm doing TikToks. I even had one that went viral. And I got about 50,000 views on it. But more importantly, thank you, Edwin. I know you said it. Um, but more importantly, as a practitioner, if you don't know what the next practices are, if you're not learning how to use TikTok, Snapchat, I confess, I'm still struggling with. But you need to understand how the consumer is behaving and meet them where they are, right, as a modern marketer. I can attest TikTok is real. Even here at Strathmore University, one of the things we are doing is hiring the younger generation. Because us, we are still stuck in, you know, we are still having this conversation in the boardroom. Is it really, is it uh, our brand? Uh, we're still, yeah, so at least we've cracked that barrier. We're doing well, right? Sorry? At Strathmore, we're doing well. You're on you TikTok, you have a TikTok yes. account? Very nice, congratulations. We actually have several business school, mainly. No way. Yes. I'm and gonna follow you guys. Please do. <laughs> please follow us on TikTok, by the way. Okay, great. Thank you. So, um, so coming on to Mr. Wasonga, so when we talk about technology, we have technologies like augmented reality, virtual reality, voice assistance, etc. So what impact do do emerging technologies have on our marketing campaigns? Okay, I think I'll also just give a small answer. My name is Anthony Wasonga, also CEO founder of Canaver Creative Limited. And I'm also a Strathmore alumni, but me, Strathmore High School. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I can remember when I was in Strathmore High School, it was so strict, but coming from there to where I am now, I really appreciate it, and I'm sure that the experience you get in the uni is powerful as well. So, when we talk about the different technologies, I think we need to look at it holistically. Because we have the hardware, we have the software, we have the different technologies. And then we also have the effect that it has on human behavior. Because for example, today, let's say, let's take a step back from uh, marketing as a whole, just communication. Tinder, the type of movement that if we were sitting here with Moses and he was on TikTok and I was on Tinder, you people would not be able to tell because all of us would literally be like this like this, this type of movement, and rebirths, you know, that type of movement. So we need to look at it holistically. The hardware, the software, and also how it affects the human behavior. What I think that uh, is happening right now is just the advent. We haven't really scratched the surface. What we're having right now is just all of us thinking like, oh my God, am I going to lose my job? Uh, is my degree still going to hold weight? We still haven't, start, we still haven't really started to see exactly how AI and the future technology is going to impact not only marketing, but the whole professional landscape and uh, the world as a whole. Another thing to consider is that when you talk about being consistent with the trends from TikTok, the beauty about that is that when the change does happen, we are ready to jump into it. Even something as simple as uh, TikTok and the dancing that we mentioned. 
I believe it would be so nice for someone to put something in their CV that, oh, I'm also dancing, so in the company is starting a TikTok page that can help us go viral. Um, a few years ago, there's something we did for QuickMart that, uh, can nobody understand challenge? So we basically kind of took what Lilmaina was doing, worked it into what the brand was doing for the 15 years, and those people were so amazed by what it could do for them. Another thing that we're having with uh, the AR is, you know, when you look at the signboard for the advertising, I, I mean, the, the data protection, the way people are being sued left, right, and center for using people's face inside. What if something like ABL went to different clubs, like even the Casabera that was uh, sued, and they did an AR thing whereby when you're going in, they can scan the bottle top of the brand of the bottle and cover your face. So those are the different dynamics that we can use for for marketing, putting brands ahead. Uh, thank you. I hope I've answered the uh, question. Thank you very much. I hope I've answered it. <laughs> are you sure he's shy? I'm still Moses Kenibari. So I don't know. Thank you. For me, what has stood out is the augmented reality. That that's something I really hadn't thought about. So thank you for for that. You know, te teasing my mind, Kidogo. So um, I think you've touched on a very important issue in our landscape now, data protection. So maybe you can talk about when it comes to data privacy and, and ethical concerns uh, for having technologies in marketing, what, how, can this be, um, how can this be dealt with or what potential concerns may come up? My, my take on that is a bit, uh, a bit controversial. Because as marketers, uh, we thrive on data. So what I believe we should work on, and what I hope we can work on, is a way of getting people's data without exposing them. Let's say, for example, when we think of the demographics, there's a young man who stays on thicker road that is passing this road every single day. Uh, this is interest without Mulika, that this is Anthony Wasonga. Because the more data that we get, the better we can scout and choreograph the messaging that we are giving to the customer. We were just having a conversation with Nandi where I was telling her that I used to have this dream where I wanted to make an app. Uh, for those of you who know the Flow app, uh, having an app that based off the data of someone's cycle, it could push the certain messaging to them. But we are alive to the reality of the world today whereby some of those things might be met with backlash. Of course, it affects the quality of messaging that we can give to those people. But the reality is that the more data, it's even like maybe when you're going on a date or when you're meeting someone to start a relationship, the more data you have on that person, what their favorite food is uh, nowadays, oh, don't take us to Apple Beach, don't take <laughs> us to KFC, don't take us to where. The more you understand that person, the better you can show up, the better that you can communicate to them. If, let's say, you're, if someone is an Arsenal fan, you're not going to wear a Chelsea jersey. <laughs> this year, this year. This year. <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah, so, you see, but basically, imagine now a lady trying to chat you up and she comes with a manual jersey, Cristiano. And has been said by Cristiano. And literally, just by having access to your room, she would know that you have a poster for Henri. Yeah. yeah, so I think it, it's a bit of a, of a murky issue, but as a marketer, I selfishly believe that we should somewhat be allowed these uh, allowances just for us to make a better 
experience for the audience. Of course, like we had discussed earlier, there's a right way of using it and there's a wrong way. But now, we all need to, and this is something for everyone who wants to get into marketing or advertising, you need to really make this decision early. What type of advertiser you want to become? I think for me, I decided that the main thing is I want to be disruptive. I want to be disruptive, I want to make things that stand out, and I want to change. To a certain extent, I want to be looked at the way Kanye used to be looked at, and I also want to make money. But there's certain products that I will not touch, I will not sell. It's really important for you to know that if money is what you want, know what that will entail. If making a difference is what you want, know what that will entail, and let that be the compass that guides you all through your journey. Thank you. Was this uh, ethical concerns? Any additional thoughts? Yeah, I think when you bring up the issue of privacy, you know, the Data Privacy Act in Kenya was enacted in 2019. Yeah. So it's not even a new thing. It's four years. We see ODPC is now finding even schools uh, 4 million shillings, I think it was, uh, for data privacy. So I think that's something that actually, the, 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 the people who I think are biggest risk are the SMEs, right? Because them traditionally, they've not really understood or respected data privacy. And this is kind of that scenario where you go into a restaurant, you happen to have used an ambassador to pay, and then two days later, they start spamming you, and then for the next few weeks, you just notice that they keep sending you messages uh, and yet you did not consent. So we're entering the era of what they call consented data, meaning that you have to have my permission to use my data in any way, whether it's my photo, uh, whether it was something I did, but there's this element of consent. And I really feel, especially within the context of, say, a market like Kenya, um, the SMEs are not really uh, that equipped. Um, the other thing I love that you talked about is how do you, as a marketer, use data to actually create more effective marketing and use data points to know um, how best to market to that person. So case in point is, I still don't understand why big brands, um, some of the most successful companies in Kenya, would create an ad campaign that is basically the same thing across the country. Why can't you use a platform like Facebook or Google, where for instance, if I know that I'm targeting an audience in Isli, I might use a lady who looks like what we'd call somebody maybe coming from that community, and it reflects that if I'm marketing somebody maybe uh, the community in Parklands, I know who predominantly lives there, I can use creative and messaging that speaks to them. If I'm talking to somebody in the coast, I know that it's predominantly a Muslim culture, I can make sure the context and the content is done in a way that is not violating or showing things that are not consistent to that culture. And I think the power of data is the ability, for instance, to use what we call first-party data, where if you've given me your phone number, your email address, your geographical location with consent, I can do a geographical-based uh, targeting where I know that if you live within uh, 10 kilometers of this particular Naivas branch, I can show you a promo for a product you can actually go and buy during that particular moment. Um, another example I'll give you is that, and, and this is where maybe Strathmore, I'm, I'm going to give the challenge to you. I went to another university, and they did their homework. And when we were leaving, the honorarium included a Arsenal t-shirt with my name at the back, yeah? So sometimes data privacy, or just going online and just notice that when Arsenal wins, Moses likes to talk about Arsenal winning, and you'd use that data to satisfy me. And I told them they have an open invitation. Anytime they want me, I'll come, yeah? And they even give me a sash. You know that warm thing you wear when you're watching football? Challenge accepted. Yes, so I'm just, I'm just letting you know. The other university gave me that at the end of my presentation, including my name was on the back, eh? can you borrow <laughs> So you can imagine, they use data to create that emotional connection with me, and now I'm completely beholden to them. If they want 10 presentations a week, I'll go. Yeah? Anyway, sorry, but the point is, they did their homework, they used my 
personal data that's public and made me feel so different that I went and I was like, my God, this is incredible. And that thing is in the cupboard and I love it, right? So the point at the end of the day is I think, are we using data enough as marketers to not just send the same message to everyone, but use data and insight to create meaningful and delightful engagements that actually our consumers or customers say, wow, this brand is with me forever. Yeah. That challenge has been accepted. <laughs> because even I would feel very appreciated. So kudos to your, that you I can come next week, you can. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not play the tender. So uh, final remarks, uh, so that we can close this session. I think you can go fast as well. Yeah, you go. I think it's, it's the authority. <laughs> so, I agree with what you're saying about data, and I believe that uh, there's this saying, one of the classes where I was paying attention in this, that, that everyone is inviting us to their living room, but we're not going there. There's so much that we can learn, there's so much that, uh, because I'm a, I don't really believe in the, in the aspect of, you know, what are these things like, uh, focus groups and questionnaires because human beings, we are not always that honest. Like if you ask some, let's say maybe if you ask some of the ladies, what do you look for in a man? What she'll say, what she'll look for is different. Same thing as guys, we'll say we want this, it's different. But AI, you know, if you can observe, observation tends to be the strongest point of view to get data. If you're able to observe how people are interacting in a way that they can be fully themselves, it's one of the most, uh, one of the most powerful indicators to go to work for them. So we need to use data, we need to, like you said, it needs to be consensual, but also the messaging around it. Right now, there's this belief whereby any brand that's using our data is just using it for the wrong thing. So I think as marketers, especially for those of you who are living struggling, you know, the, you have more of a say because of the values that are instilled in you. When we go out there, we need to have more conversations around how gathering data from people can be used in a way that's more beneficial to them. So, let's change the narrative. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I don't know why I'm reminded of this. I just saw marketing in the AI world. And I think you guys will be the first generation potentially where AI will be in your pocket. You guys, me, I tell you, the ChatGPT, I pay for the one for ChatGPT4. I use it for everything, even planning, shopping, responding to emails. Uh, it's actually my buddy, it's my friend. You know, I think Microsoft called theirs co-pilot and they launched some stuff yesterday. But I want to just tell you guys something that is so vitally important. When you hear the experts talking today about AI, you know, initially I thought it was really just about the tech. But AI already exists, for instance, like when I left my meeting coming here, it tells me on Google Maps, you better leave now, otherwise you're going to be late. That AI was there 10 years ago. What is different is this generative AI is that you're in the driving seat telling the AI to do what you want, directing it, helping you do proposals, coming up with marketing campaigns. The modern marketer now needs to become a guru at how to use things like ChatGPT, which means you need to know how to put in the right prompts. Okay, this is a science. How do you prompt the AI to give the right response? Okay, and this is again almost like learning a new dialect or language. And the thing that I took away, even from this event that Microsoft had yesterday, where they had um, uh, Satya Nadella with the, uh, the CEO of NVIDIA. Do you guys know about a company called NVIDIA? Yeah. Do you know how much money they made in the last few months? Yeah. I think something like $6 billion. Do you know what they make? They make something called a GPU. The GPUs are the processors that power the data centers that run ChatGPT and the likes. 
this guy said something profound. He said, AI is going to be bigger than the internet itself. Let me rephrase it again. AI is going to be bigger than the internet itself. Now, if I'm sitting where you're sitting as students, I will be reading, identifying, learning everything I can about AI because if it's going to change everything as we know it, and yes, it's going to also make people lose jobs, yeah, from what I've seen, but also it will create new jobs. And for some reason, I'm reminded of this famous line. It says something like, those who live by the sword will be shot by those with a gun, right? Something to that effect. And what's the point, right? If you're living and operating today, and AI is happening and you have opinions about it, whether it's good or bad and not using it, you're going to be one of those people with a sword. But if you're going to harness it, learn it, and make it work for you, then you're going to be the one packing the gun, right? So think about that for a second. Is that order of magnitude in terms of the impact it can have in your life, your profession, and all the things you do going forward? So rather than fearing it, learn how it works, master it, and bring it into everything that you do, because that is the way the world is going. Thank you. So gentlemen, I, I, before you, I let you go, I, I'd like to move the conversation to this side of the room. So a few questions, as we agreed, to this side, to that side. Um, hi, uh, my question is for either of you, but remember, um, specifically to Anthony, you had mentioned that you want to be a disruptive marketer. So I'd like to ask, like, how do you spread the line of being a disruptive marketer without being an invasive one when it comes to data privacy? That's, a, that's actually a very good question. And I think when it goes to disruption, that's one of the buzzwords that's used over and over again. It's just the belief of, uh, if everyone is doing something this way, how, how differently can we say it? You know, love songs have always been sung, they'll always be sung, but which other aspect can we use to bring it out? You remember like when, um, it's a bit back, when Neo did so sick, I've got to change the answering machine now that I'm alone, because right now it says that we can't come to the phone. Before that was like, I can't sleep without you, I can't dream without you. You're saying the exact same thing in a different way, standing out and making it special, because for a long time, especially in Kenya, advertising has had lost its flair. People would look at billboards, you look at it sometimes, you feel like it's almost glittering, like you want to run against Sakata, so you can say, oh, you really want to come up against reach this level. So from the disruption, it's more about the, the tone of voice, the creativity, how it's being done. And I, I can give you one for an example. Last year, there's something that we did, um, and the basic premise of it was as young in a field holding an oversized razor, and it was the body copy was like, are you a sheriff for the forest or a dream player? That's what, that one, the, the brand, Lutictas, all I got from ASEAN was a wig, but we never boosted it, we never pushed it, it kind of went viral, we didn't invade. So for the disruption, it's more about doing it different, adding life into advertising and making advertising fun again and mean something. Because for a long time in Kenya especially, and in the world, as a whole, advertising had lost that ka, that ka power. Yeah. I hope I've answered it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. 
Newton. Uh, my question will go to the Arsenal fan. Yes. Are, are you one of us? Yes, I'm one hundred percent. Strong. This is all, this is all. So my question is here. Uh, you talked about how the marketing is uh, changing to tech because when you're saying that when you are starting your business 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it was different from what you're doing. So how can we change, how can we put the integration of AI and the cutting, cutting uh, edge technology to bring it like incorporate it into the marketing side of that what we are being taught in class we make it more practical uh, to be different with more of the different with the more of uh, theoretical aspect that we're being taught in class and uh, incorporate the practical that you do in the work industry so let me share a story with you when i used to go to university i was at usiu and I needed to learn something or know something for a class. Uh, unlike your generation that can go to Google, uh, I used to go to something called the library. And then in the library, I'll try and find the book that I needed to complete an assignment. And then if I found an empty slot in the library, I then went to the librarian and asked them, who's got this book? And they tell me this person has this book. And then I'll look for that person during my lunch break or after classes and say, look, uh, dude, I need that book to finish my assignment. And then you give it to me or the next day. And that's how I did work. Today, you have Google. You go in, you ask it a question. It gives you a lot of answers. But when we talk about the AI era, let me give you a simple example from my business. Today, it's very easy for me to talk to one of my colleagues in social media and say, OK, we're working with client X. Please create a content calendar. But where it gets crazy is that I go today, because you're talking about practical application, right? I go into ChatGPT, I'll say, this is the client, this is the situation, we are planning a campaign for Mother's Day, give me a two-week calendar for Mother's Day, the build-up until the day itself. Usually within about one minute, I have a complete content calendar that is executed, including emoji, including even the campaign uh, slogan if I want, and that would have taken my team something like a whole day or more, and it literally can hand this back to the team and then they'll tell you something like, oh, but there's no sharing in it. You said, no problem. I take it back to ChatGPT. I said, Ongeza, an additional 30% of sharing in what I've just given you. Do you know what ChatGPT will do? It'll come back and put sharing in it. Yeah. I don't think you guys have done Do you know that you can do that? Yeah. And then I can tell it, okay, now that you've done that, I feel like the text is too long. Make it 30% shorter. It'll do that. Now, this is why I was talking about the prompting. This is practical application. You can do stuff without even knowing how it actually works in ways that you could do. Google used to tell you what you needed to know. ChatGPT actually gives you the answer, right? And that is where the jobs are going. Because suddenly, do I need to hire a social media manager or maybe I just need to equip my existing team with the tools to speed up their work, improve the quality, make it more efficient. It's never perfect on the go, but it makes it easier. But when you talk about practical application, that's one example I'd just like to give you. The fact that you can literally create social media content on the fly, make amendments within minutes, and you have something that is more or less 80% usable for the work you're doing. And that's the kind of stuff that's really out there. You can even ask ChatGPT, give me 10 ideas for a campaign slogan of this nature for this client, blah, blah, blah. And it'll give you quite a few bad options, but you'll get some good ones that you can build on and come up with something final. What you've done there is you compress time and process. 
that was two days into sometimes two hours. And I think that's a revolution. The fact that it's not just speeding up the process, it's not even elevating the quality alone, but it's also generally just transforming how we do marketing as a whole. And the modern marketer needs to understand that this thing cuts across everything. You can ask it to do your project plans. You can ask it to even give you, I mean, every kind of outcome. Like I said, it's never 100% perfect, but it's impressive in the sense that people are doing more with less in a way that they couldn't before in marketing. I don't know if you ever add anything else to that, Anthony, as well. I think just to add on that, it's uh, for marketers, the response that we had from a lot of when it first came in and we were saying how fast it was, I won't like myself, I was a bit ticked off because I was like, oh man, that means that the type of money that we can ask clients or charge clients also comes down. But the, it works both ways because right now, for, ma for people who are not only marketing as a marketer, but let's say maybe you have your own business, it allows you now to have a level of, uh, a level of access that wasn't there before. And I think it goes down to the model. Another thing that you can really do, and I think I'm going to start doing, is I'll put all of Moses's uh, speeches and articles into ChatGPT and say, study him. So the next time I'm going to Strathmore, I know how to actually, you know, there's a way you can model it. So from what you want to do, even when you mentioned the voice assisting, if you're a songwriter and let's say maybe you're challenged vocally, but you, you have that gift, you can like, oh, let me so write for Rihanna, put it in her voice. It's how you use it and it's very powerful. Another thing that, practical thing we do, for us right now at Kadabra, we are a bit stubborn and uh, a bit elitist in where we say we are not going to use AI for any creative or for any of the copy that we are doing. For now, that's going to change in the future. But what we do is when we are following up for invoices from clients to Nankans, all the things that we want to say, Rephrase this in a polite, warm, and cordial tone. Secondly, I urgency. So, thanks. Actually, going a step further, you can, because let me just be honest, I think I've worked with so many young people over the last 25 years that you guys always have a side hustle, even in campus, true or false. Yeah? And what I would almost imagine is that any kind of question you ask, like he's just pointing out, even how to send a good and polite email, um, you know, you can even tell it, write for me a proposal in the style and tone of McKinsey. McKinsey is one of the most expensive management consultancies in the world. You can literally put in your content, badly written, rewrite this thing as if it came from McKinsey and it'll do it. It is scary how good the outputs are. So pretty much anything you can imagine, put it in there. But even better yet, spend $30 a month to pay for the latest version of ChatGPT, and then now it even links to your internet. So rather than, now you put there, go to MosesCanBeBarrow.com, did some marketing there, moscambarrow.com, and, 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 and copy or use his style in what I'm writing. It'll actually do that with the paid version. So this is, this is this unprecedented stuff. And I think practical is literally doing. Go into those platforms, play around with it, learn how it works, and then over time you become efficient and proficient in how it can effectively improve your marketing. Oh, there you go. Hi, oh, my name is Calvin, and those Question directly to anyone willing to answer. So you mentioned something about creativity, and that's something you say you're trying to um, put into your marketing activities. And one thing that is an effect of AI, as much as the other thing, it's quote unquote encouraged laziness, I'd say. True. But in a way that yes, 
there's so much like for example the AI of mid-journey where you can generate images based on what's already there and you know already from the fact that it's already there, AI can't really be creative to the point where it creates new things because only the human mind can be able to create those stuff. So my question is, um, do you feel like AI is um, making us lazy in terms of now being less creative and like not being able to now explore the creative mind of um, as a human whereby we can now use AI more as a tool than a way of life of doing everything and what's the way forward? The, the reality about it is that it kind of, uh, the, the aspect of laziness, I get where you're coming from because you know, they say if you don't use, you lose. So there's a way we are almost being spoon-fed so much that it has that effect. But that's the same thing that when the internet was, uh, the internet was coming, when uh, online dating was coming, I have a cousin who got married two years ago. So what I do believe is the concept of the, and this might be wishful thinking, because we're like, and this might be wishful thinking. What I do believe is that the concept of the big idea, the big idea, the creativity, that's something that as human beings we can still use to stand out in real time because for example, and this might change, this might change. Right now with Mambo Ni Matatu, when it came out here, yeah, AI can only work on data looking back and the moment it's going to change even for marketing is when the variables, it works with variables. The moment now if people in Midjani uh, in the likes are able to see to the likes of Moses, to the likes of Songa, and study people's brains, their thought processes, let's add this variable. Even Shane, for example, uh, Shane, uh, cultural values to different, different types of variables. The more AI has more data to feed on and sitting with the best writers in the world, the best art directors in the world, it's going to become more powerful. And I believe each of us, it's just, it's up to us. One of the things, you, you can be lazy, you can get stuff that will pass for entrance a surprisingly low threshold when it comes to creativity. Some of these things that you'll see on the billboards or TV, low threshold. But if you want to stand out and at Kadabra as you want to, in like the next three years, you want to be known as an agency that if you want something that's different that you can only get from us, if you want to have that type of aspect, it will now be how you are using the AI, the type of prompt that you're doing, how you're feeding it and how you're tricking it at the end. But it's true, laziness is coming. How many of you are using it to do your assignments on stage? You brought up a very controversial question uh, because we see this in education, in the workplace, are people really working anymore? You know, um, if you know how to use ChatGPT, you can do a lot without having to do the work, right? And me, I can tell you that I'm, I'm one of those school of people who comes from that background of you have to grind, you have to sweat, you have to suffer to produce that creative idea, that concept. You have to make the client feel the pain of that effort, you know? But more importantly, I think what it is for me is that the original idea, the original, um, the genesis or the, the start of those creativities, those sparks, are always going to be human-led. But what we're doing is we're using the, the AI, as Microsoft called their product now, co-pilot, or your sidekick. It's there to augment, it's there to speed up, it's there to even offer additional suggestions. It's not the origin, it is more of 
something that enhances the output and speeds things up and makes it easier and better. And the irony is that even if we judge it and we, you know, it almost reminds me about the time when I discovered something called Canva. If you're in the creative space, if you're in the creative space, when Canva came out and you talked to like my designers, my highly paid designers in my company, and I used to talk about Canva, you'd almost see them sneer at you like, what is that? Today, professional agencies are using Canva to do creative. You know why? Because not everyone is going to learn Adobe, right? You want to crank out something quickly, you do it. I do creative on Canva all the time. But what it did is it democratized creativity. But I believe the person who uses Canva may not be originally a designer, but you have to have the eye or the creativity inherently to use it well. Meaning that it's allowing people who may never have learned Adobe to still create creative things. And that is profound because it's the same way that when I was in university and in high school, you weren't allowed to carry a computer or a calculator into the room. You are going to use your brain to get things done. Today you don't because if you don't know the subject matter, it doesn't matter whether you have a calculator or not. You need to understand the subject matter. So there are all these debates and there's no real right or wrong, I think, at this point. But the point is, I think it's here. It's a reality. It's speeding up things. It's making things better and easier, faster. And if you're not playing it at some level, then potentially you're going to fall behind. Because when it becomes a normal practice and you're outside that room, then guess what happens? You're the one who's the laggard, ironically. Yes. I saw there's another question in the back there. And I'm pretty sure we must be out of time. But, uh... um, yes, we're we out of time. So I'd like to ask all of you to give our panelists a round of applause, please.